Hello and welcome to Community Topics, number 18 of Dualist Community. I have no fucking idea how all these topics are necessarily going to tie together, but I know that they are somehow, some way. Not because I believe that they will, but because I have faith that they will. And I will be a part of that process as we move through them and through allowing insights to arise without trying to control them or, or get them to happen in the way that I think that they should. It'll happen more perfectly than I could have imagined when I was thinking about it before the episode started. And the only important part being that you don't necessarily attach to any of that. You don't try to ascribe meaning and you don't try to get anywhere as a result. You just let it be what it is and you trust your own ability to interpret things as you go along. I have nothing further to add because that's the perfect intro to community topics number 18, which is about tarot or divination as a whole. That's how I'm going to take it for this episode. I know psychics were mentioned in there, but I think that's another topic, or at least while it's a similar topic and there are some connections, tarot is a big enough topic to tackle first. But there are two other topics that tied for second place this week, which was uh, imagination and addiction. So if we can tie those two subjects into our conversation about tarot, of course, we are going to. This is going to be a fun fun episode. Uh, I just want to make a quick announcement that, of course, we're having the second Dualistic Unity Retreat, April 1st to April 9th. Tickets are available on the website. It's an incredible experience, and we're going to actually refer to it in a little bit of this episode because we're going to be talking about deepening our appreciation of the flow and recognizing that there is a flow and then understanding how we can distort our interpretation of that flow. So without saying anything else, I'm going to pass this over to Andrew. Andrew, you've been looking into tarot since this morning, I understand. Um, I know you don't have a great deal of experience with tarot in the past, so I'm very curious to see what you came up with. Uh, that is, yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, just to expand on that, I have basically no experience with tarot. It's not something even when I was going through kind of all the different spiritual kind of side paths and whatnot, the Dolores Canon, the manifestation, all that stuff. I never really came across tarot and things like that. But so anyway, so in preparation for these community topics episodes, usually, you know, we don't have a ton of lead way for it, which is great because it, it kind of allows us to just do it on the fly and kind of see what comes up instead of preparing, you know, what we're going to say. But I think a degree of preparation is decent for me because I just don't have that experience. So anyway, um, tarot, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting thing. I think I went through a number of YouTube videos about, you know, what tarot is, some of the issues with tarot. And I think, so from my understanding, tarot is based around this deck of cards, essentially. I think there's like something like 70 cards in a deck ish maybe 78 and basically there's a there's a tarot reader and i still even in all of my research didn't fully understand like what was going on or what was trying to be done in the situation so maybe i can get ray to expand on it but basically there's cards that are pulled that 
at least from from some of the stuff I came across that kind of are symbolic of your past, present, and future or, or potential future. And this may be just one degree of, of tarot reading, but basically the, the card that's picked kind of does its best to explain different situations in your life or the current situation you're going through or what might be to come. But it's entirely based off of kind of assumption. And most of the time, it seems like people are coming into it knowing what they want to hear from it. So they're able to skew the message in a way that allows them to hear what they want to hear. And that's about the best I can do at this moment of like word vomiting tarot understandings. Uh, but I know Ray has a lot more experience with it. So I am curious your initial thoughts. Well, I thought that was a great introduction to start with because unfortunately often it's kind of taken that way. It's taken on a very general level, even by those who are practicing it sometimes regardless of how deep they might they might think they are being about it often it comes from memorizing the interpretations of other books and then relying on that that memory on that information those that conceptual knowledge during a reading and and trying to almost spin a tale based on intuition that is still largely relying on on logic and ego yeah, so there's there's a lot of distortion that goes into all that but before we get into tarot I want to talk about divination as a whole, because divination's always existed. It's always existed. There have been numerous ways of divining the universe's plans, right? Um, reading the clouds, reading a flight of birds, uh, reading tea leaves, uh, reading the entrails of an animal, looking into the fire. These are all ways of, of divining the future that have been used for thousands of years, right? And so tarot, and I should preface this by saying that tarot cards themselves originally were just a, a game of cards, kind of like we play cards, right? Except that there were four suits of 14 cards and then a fifth suit of 21 cards and then the fool, which is you know kind of like the Joker, but it's not what the Joker's based on. So, but the point is it was a, it was a game and you would play it with your friends. It was like four or five people and it was about winning tricks, just like, you know, rummy or anything like that. Like it was just a game of cards, but then it became used for divination, for fortune telling. And what's interesting is that the cards themselves are representative of a lot. Like I have to wonder who created this game of cards because it does perfectly serve two purposes in that these cards, the drawings on them are very symbolic of certain things. And so you have the four suits and then you have the other 22 cards, well, 21 plus one, okay? And the four suits have 14 cards each, right? So when we were at the retreat, and tangent here just for a second, we were working towards a state of relaxation, of clarity, of synchronicity and alignment with reality without any resistance or conflict whatsoever. And in that state, in the deeper end of that state, you could almost see how everything was symbolic. You could almost see how everything was cyclical. You could feel a certain timing. You could feel the flow, quote unquote, if you want to use it that way. 
it really is just you being yourself as reality. But in that state, your intuition is dialed to 11. Like there's a sensitivity to everything that's happening, not just in this now, but everything that extends from this now, which is all other nows that you can go into in any direction. So there's a, a deepening of your awareness and that makes a deepening of your sensitivity to the flow. Now in that state, you can feel things as they're happening and almost get cocky about calling it just before they happen. I know there was one experience at the retreat was, which was really funny where I said, okay, as we were all coming out of the end of this deep experience that, that was uh, otherworldly to some degree without having to really be anything, skepticism was encouraged is one thing I'm saying. At the end of that experience, I looked at one of the people who was there and I said, okay, now watch. Within the next five minutes or so, perfect timing as we're wrapping this up, these two other people are gonna come down and we're gonna end this little experience for everybody. And it, the timing was perfect. And there was no reason for me to call it because I hadn't looked at the time, right? It's just that you start to feel the flow. So in that state, what if I was to give you a set of cards? that all represent something within your collective consciousness and say, pick a card. You remember you were listening to a song as all of that was happening in that deepening state and, and you and another participant were like, oh my God, this, the song is talking about what's going on right now. Well, what are the chances that the card that you'd flip randomly would have a picture representative of what you're going through right now in that state? And the awareness that you're in or the awareness that you're embodying would give you the ability to look at that and go, oh, I see how that's deeper than just the symbolism on the card because it, I have the clarity to do so. Okay, so now let's say that I created a whole set of cards with different pictures and different symbolisms, all of which represented you on different levels in some way. And I said, okay, now that you're in the state of clarity, let's see what the flow is gonna show us. That'd be kind of fun, right? Just flip a bunch of cards and start seeing, huh, that's interesting. What am I interpreting from this right now? With no purpose whatsoever, except being in that state of clarity, watching what the flow is showing you, watching it trip up certain insights and, and cause different changes within you like a cascade, right? But you wouldn't be trying to get anywhere. It would just be about watching the flow of what you are. Okay, so that all said, the tarot. So the tarot is, is 78 cards, but there's the minor arcana and the major arcana. The minor arcana are the 56 cards that are four sets of 14. Each of those, those suits represent a different part of our existence, right? The major arcana, the 22 cards or the 21 plus one, are representative of our path as consciousness from the fool to the world. And it goes through the process and it's all representative of different stages of our, of our consciousness or different uh, perceptions of ourself is actually quite, is a better way to put it. So you have the major arcana, which is supposedly representative of the larger currents within yourself, within the whole that you're a part of. And then the minor arcana, which are representative of the minor components of your, of your story, of the day-to-day, -day, of, the, of the narrative. And so all that considered, you pull all these cards and you know that they're representative, not just of different states of mind or different parts of your life and, you know, in, in 
like the four suits being like emotion, uh, materialism, action, things like that, right? So you're like, oh, wow, that's, oh, wow, and that's connected to this. And that's really interesting. No, that's got, so you just have this myriad of insights about different perceptions of yourself, so long as it's from that state of clarity and you're not trying to get anything out of it. Alternatively, you could try to read the future. And that's where the distortion kicks in. So listening to you talk about how, like compare it to the retreat when you're sort of in a state of clarity and through that, you're able to recognize the symbolism, but it's not something that you look for or that you see yourself as someone who recognizes symbolism. It's what's allowed to arise when you let go of needing to be any concept or idea. And so with, with picking these cards, it's like, I almost see it as, you know, cause we've, we've been talking about with all the live streaming that we're doing. Sometimes it's nice to just like get a bunch of questions in and just rip through them. And like, it gives us a direction. Right. And so I see, as you were explaining that the cards in a state of clarity where you're just sitting in it, you don't have any idea of where you think you should be going or where you'd like to go. So you pick a card and that shifts the flow because it shifts you as the flow and gives you something to chew on in a way. It's like, Hmm, I can see how that's the case here. And it, it's almost like it could be any card and it sends you in some symbolic direction. But if you're not in that state of clarity, then, then it's like you're attaching, you're trying to attach the idea of yourself or match what you're going through to the card. And it's like a forced desire. So I see it now that it, it's almost similar to, you know, doing a Q and a on a live stream to give you a direction and just see what comes out as opposed to feeling like you need to take the conversation in a certain direction because that's what's best for the conversation. And you just kind of allow things to arise as they do. But I feel like with tarot, most people probably aren't using them, pulling them out of a state of clarity just to give them something symbolic to chew on. Like they're trying to attach it because they're coming at it from an egotistical point of view. And so that's how I was seeing it being explained in most of the videos and things I listened to and read up on about it. And that's why I never came across anyone talking about how they were just a symbolic opportunity to be the flow and allow it to take you in the direction that the card is symbolic of sort of how I'm seeing it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It becomes another distortion of the ego rather than a really fun tool when you're outside your ego. It's just like everything else that we've talked about in terms of uh, spirituality, you know, like crystals and singing bowls and stuff like that. None of that will make you more aware, but they're cool when you're aware. You really appreciate them when you're there and clear, you're like, wow, what an incredible structure this crystal is. But the crystal itself isn't going to do anything for you, except maybe by virtue of belief as a placebo, but you don't really want to bank on that because it's going to last until somebody comes over and says crystals are bullshit. Right. But so now that we've covered tarot, 
because that that really was the crux of it. This is why I've wanted to talk about tarot is because there's something there, but it's missed even by people who practice it by virtue of them practicing it as opposed to it just being another tool. But, and here's the interesting part about tarot. All of the pictures, at least in the most common decks, are, are about people in different situations, right? Like um, two people holding hands with a rainbow uh, of cups, right? Above them, symbolizing, you know, like uh, an abundance of emotion and uh, like two people in it together. And it's, it's it, like, you can see it in the picture. You're like, wow, that's really nice. You see that shit all the day. Go for a walk. You'll see people in different situations, in different freeze frames. If you just look at them for a moment and look away, you will have your symbolism. And that's very much where tarot becomes kind of boring, right? Because the pictures are great. And, and you know, the number of them is fantastic. The symbolism behind them is great. But life, life is far richer in terms of symbolic representation. There's not just people you know, in cups and wands and swords, there's, there's everything, there's everything. And it's all symbolic of something. So if that's the case, then your everyday life in every moment of clarity becomes an active divination, which is really nothing more than saying your intuition, tapping into what you are, surrendering to the flow of what you're already doing and surprising yourself each and every time going, wow, that worked out really well. Because you're allowing it to happen and you're taking what you can out of it. And that's true for tarot reading. I encourage you, if you have a tarot deck, just sit down. Don't even ask a question. Don't ask a question. Don't make it about you. Just start flipping cards. See what your brain brings, it brings up. Just watch the flow. They're just opportunities for you to process, right? And you'll be amazed at the impact that it has on you. And I, I encourage you, if you do that, write in on Discord. Let us know how it went for you because I'm, I'm super curious. I've had quite a bit of experience with tarot decks and, and people who, who read the tarot. And they'll even tell you that like a really good reading is a more complex reading. Like um, uh, a tense... Uh, a 10 card Celtic cross is a really intricate design of cards because each card impacts all the other cards that it's attached to, right? On various different levels. So you do one of those and they're telling you, you're looking at like the next you know, 12 months of your life. You could be looking at the entirety. <laughs> like you could be looking at the entirety of a picture of the moment that you are right now, but simplified into symbolism. And even I say simplified, but it's incredibly complex on that level, right? The larger the pattern, the more complex the reading, which is where you get more and more distortion. But you can distort a two-card reading if you're really egotistical. So I, I definitely have some thoughts about a lot of that stuff, but I'm curious uh, when the last time you did a tarot reading or had one done, to, I don't know, do you have it done to you or or what? Or if... It's something that, like, do you still have a tarot deck? No, I don't have a tarot deck. I haven't had a tarot deck in, well, since I woke up. So you, so you got into tarot before you woke up? Yeah, while well, I was looking for some rhyme or reason to everything that was happening when I was looking for some 
sense of certainty, even if it was false certainty. It's just that I couldn't resonate with Christianity anymore. I wasn't down with the idea of a God. And so, you know, I got into Wiccan culture for a little bit and a couple of other belief systems and tarot came up among other things. And it's really interesting. You start learning about Aleister Crowley and you start learning about the history behind all of this stuff. But uh, yeah, the last reading I had was with, um, I say a close friend, but it was really only a person that I had hung out with maybe for about six months of my life. We were just very much in tune with each other. Like we just understood where we were at because we had kind of a mutual suffering to relate to each other. And uh, I was really down and out. And she said, you know, I, I'd love to do a reading for you. I haven't done one in years. You know, I don't typically anymore because, you know, creep people out and it was like hey, cool whatever and so we just sat down and she started pulling cards she didn't ask me a question she didn't do nothing she just and she she ended up making a celtic cross exactly that and so yeah she she walked me through it, it took like two hours to basically explore all the symbolism that that came up through just going because i you know me i'm just like what's that one what's that what's that you know that seems like this and it spawned conversation and everything else it was it was a really transformative experience for me not at the time, but years later, as I reflected on all of the things that we had talked about after I wasn't in hell anymore. And I'll say like, there's something to it, man. There's something to it. There is something to the fact that we can feel the flow. There's something to the fact that we are what is. I'm not saying we should be able to see the future, but that doesn't mean that we can't build some sensitivity for the path that we're on. So more questions. Uh, so what was that last reading like that? Are you willing to share? Like what was expressed? I can share some of it for sure. I, I mean, the fact is, is that, and I think about it often in terms of dualistic unity and, and my conversations with you, the last 18 years, 18 years of my life with Melissa, um, everything I've learned, all the people I've impacted in life coaching and so on and so forth. And, 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 and the reading was that, I would go on to cause a, a beneficial ripple in the world. That there was something I was going to do that would help a lot of people that I couldn't understand. And I know that sounds hokey in general, I get that. But at that point in my life, when I was doing nothing but self-harm, there was no reason that that should have popped up at all, right? And I questioned it fervently and it did tie to other cards that were pointing out other things about you know the journey I was on a lot of it. And I just happened to luck out in the fact that this friend of mine didn't ascribe too much meaning to what she had learned the cards meant. She was more or less walking me through the insights as they came up, admitting sometimes like, that's true, that could symbolize that, as opposed to telling me like, nope, the book says this. So it was a very fluid experience. And you could say, well, you know, you could have just used that to propel yourself later on to do the work that you're doing. And that's absolutely true. And I can I think that's the point. I think that's the paradox, right? Is that you're looking into the flow and it's changing the flow. So again, there's something to it, but not so much that I would say, you better buy yourself a tarot deck, start playing with these. Cause if you don't, you're not going to feel the flow. Like I said, the, that symbolism is everywhere. It's all around you all the time. All you have to do is walk down a street and pay attention. You know, and watch your awareness, watch your insights. Be willing to look past the superficial of these are just people in the world and see the symbolism around them because there's lots. 
there is, there's a lot of symbolism, but it requires you to stop trying to find it and just relax and allow your brain to put it together because it's always looking for it. Right? Tarot just on the one hand is a convenient tool. On the other hand, it's an oversimplistic tool and it can easily become a crutch. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like it could definitely become a crutch if you don't recognize the two-way relationship of it. You know, it's not just happening to you, telling you what it is. It's like you're also seeing it for what it is through your lens of how you're seeing yourself, how you're seeing reality and all of it. Like it, it's much more complex than just this is here. This is what's happening or what's going to happen in your life. And then it's like, you know, then you try and figure out like, oh, how is that going to play out? Oh, what's, is this going to lead to this? And it's like, we try and overanalyze the things that were told in something like a tarot reading, not that I have experience with it, but just through this conversation, I'm gaining an understanding of the potential impacts and the potential pitfalls of clinging too closely to the idea of it and sort of believing in it as opposed to seeing it for what it is, having a healthy amount of skepticism, but also not completely writing it off we kind of have to do with most things, but, um, so going into one of the kind of symbolisms, I guess, or, or similarities I, I saw between you discussing tarot and, and how life can be very symbolic of that is, you know, something like meditation. I think it's another thing that people try and use to get them to clarity, as opposed to being something that is just kind of fun to do when you are in a state of clarity, but it's the distortion that that's the thing that's going to get you to clarity because nothing can get you to clarity because you are what's keeping you from clarity. The idea of you. So anything, you know, being a clairvoyant, psychic, tarot reader, professional meditator, like whatever the fuck that would mean, it, it takes away from your ability to be clear. But once you are clear, meditation is can be fun from time to time, but it's also very much true that life becomes a sort of meditation, similar to the way that life is you're able to see much more symbolism that you know you could see in tarot, but it's almost a little bit more exciting. It's like they're all tools to represent something that's always available in your life just in reality. And so it's like everything is funneling into your just life. It just is. These things can be fun things to play with for the sake of doing so, but they're just play. They're just something to do, something to spend your time doing, not for a purpose, not for an end goal, not to better yourself or build yourself up or, you know, take you out of a hole or whatever. It's, it's just, something that is enjoyable for the sake of doing so. So I, I saw just a lot of similarities there and a couple other things, but I wanted to pass it over to you before we dive into some of that other stuff. Yeah, I think you have a fantastic point, right? Like we're always getting in our own way. It doesn't matter if we're trying to connect to God or we're trying to tap into the flow and manifest something, right? We're always getting in our own way. And it's the act of, of relaxing, the act of allowing yourself to be what you are that oddly enough changes the flow and the things that are appropriate to your journey manifest, but not through you 
trying to get control. It's always half-assed backwards. We've talked about this numerous times, right? It's kind of like imagination to segue for a quick moment to imagination. You can use your imagination, but that's always the result of what you're afraid of or what you want, typically. Or you can just relax and allow your imagination to do its thing. And what you'll find is when you do that, you have a vivid imagination all the time. And that's where that symbolism is. That's where that capacity to, to look at something and it becomes something else. is in, It's innate. It's something that's built in. But we don't relax enough to let that happen. Look at children. It's like, you know, don't step on the lava. It's exactly how they see it, right? And sure, they're playing. Now imagine if they could use that tool to explore symbolism for their existence instead of just shutting it down and saying, oh, that's just your imagination. Yeah, imagination is another one of those things because I think it's tied into the mind. Like the mind, the imagination are kind of within the same realm. And for much of my life, and I know a lot of people's lives, we see the mind, also known as the imagination, as like an enemy, as something that we hate, as something that creates a lot of suffering in our life because like it's like it's using us because we believe that the idea of ourself is the truth of what we are and so anytime that anything happens we immediately tie it to a curiosity about what it means about me and if there's you know some judgment be it self-judgment or judgment from other people or you know situations that happen that we think mean something deeply about us our mind is going to run with that and try and confirm to us that that is actually the case. Our imagination can run wild with anything until we're able to let go of that idea of ourself as being the truth. And then our mind is still there. It's still just as powerful of a tool, but it's like that idea of ourself is this barrier to us being able to use it and actually appreciate it for what it is and have some fun with it and enjoy it and and play with it. And so the last year or so I think I've more and more and even just like in the last couple of months more recently been able to recognize the the fun that you can have with your imagination and be able to almost like all, really almost tap into that collective consciousness that we are that is unable to be tapped into when you're so veiled by the idea of yourself believing that you're inherently separate from all of it. It's like when you let that go, it's like you lift the veil, you you tear down that wall that's you feel like is separating you from everything. You're able to tap into that. And then you can imagine things and they have such a different symbolism or or a different experience to it because before letting go of the idea of yourself, before recognizing that you are the eternal awareness of reality, that you are God, you just think your imagination is just this, just this thing. Oh, it's just in my imagination. But it really makes me wonder now that I'm seeing things, you know, with a little bit less distortion. I guess if my imagination isn't just my ability to tap into that collective awareness, that the infinite number of perspectives that I am 
at all times. And so I'm able to now, right now in my mind, like I'm, I'm looking at the screen and myself talking from like 10 feet above and behind me, like seeing the back of my head and seeing me and Ray on the screen and, and Andrew talking, but I'm still imagining it. It's kind of trippy. It's super trippy, but like, could that not be just me tapping into the vastness of myself? And someone who doesn't recognize that may just say, oh yeah, it's just your imagination. Of course that's the case. But who's saying that it isn't actually seeing that for what it is? So I don't know. It's it's fun and it really makes me curious. Absolutely, especially given that all moments that can exist do exist. Right. Which goes back to Einstein's whole thing about the Big Bang, right? Like this is the misinterpretation. And we've talked about this before that people think Einstein referred to the Big Bang as the beginning of time, but he referred to it as the beginning of all moments in time. All of time came into existence with the Big Bang. It's not that time came into existence and started. It's that all of time, all moments, all potential moments, not just the moments of your life, but the moments of your life going in different directions. The moment where you're not listening to this podcast right now right? That exists too. They all exist. All the moments of your childhood, all the moments of your, your old age, all the moments of every possibility of where you could live or who you could meet, they all exist. And you just saw a whole whack of them, didn't you? As I was describing that. And that's the point because they all exist within reality. And you are the awareness of reality, which means they all exist within you. And that's the fun paradox, right? All variations of the dream exist within the dreamer, except when they're dreaming that they're one thing, that they're one of those variations. Then they tune out all the rest of them, right? And that's all we're really doing. And so imagination, much like our dreams, are an unexplored resource because we use it all the time. Talk to an artist, talk to an architect, right? Talk to any inventor. They're imagining what they're going to create before they ever do it or as they're doing it. It's their imagination informing them. Are they possibly seeing something that's already done in another version of the here and now? And they're just tapping in to that and bringing it into, into creation by virtue of them seeing it. Are they a part of its existence as a, as a whole? Like there's so much more to this that we don't typically talk about because Again, uncertainty. We get into this conversation and we're like, well, how do I use that? Maybe I can, I can win the bet on the local sports team or something like that. We always come back to ourself and our fear and that takes us out of the flow, takes us out of our ability to just watch in wonder and maybe get a clue here and there as to what's actually happening. And we've been talking about this recently, if, if it's not the case that we're always in the flow. And it's always happening exactly as it should, was meant to, just as it is, always as it is. And it's our idea that it should be happening differently than it is that creates suffering, that I should be doing things differently than I am in any given moment that distorts us and, and creates that suffering and leads things like addiction 
And I think the core, at least from my recent understanding and having some of these conversations of addiction is kind of the belief that there's something that you should be doing that isn't what you're doing right now. And as that is brought into every situation of our life, it creates a sense of discomfort because we don't understand the vastness of us. We don't understand how much is always available and how many options we have in each and every moment. So we're always focused in on you know, a very limited number of options. And that creates a sort of discomfort within us thinking that we should be doing something else. And because we don't like discomfort for the most part, we try and avoid discomfort. We, rather than facing it or recognizing that we actually don't have to be doing anything other than what we are, and therefore discomfort doesn't exist in that recognition. There's nothing to run from and nothing to run to that's that's more easily accessible to us, which is usually the addictive tendencies, but it's through that deeper misconception that you aren't everything that you are this limited idea that should be doing something because if you, as long as you're getting to that place, then it means something about you and you're creating this idea of yourself and you need to become more or, or hold on and, and defend the idea that you're less and therefore you have value because you're less. And, and it's the stories that we hold on to that create this distortion and lead to things like addiction eventually because of the discomfort that we're carrying with us because we always feel like we should be doing something other than what we're doing. Yeah. And typically it's because we're suffering. It's funny. Nothing inspires a need for control more than suffering, right? Because we don't like it. It sucks. And rather than accept, yes, it does. And it will inform something later on. We say, I shouldn't be experiencing this. I don't deserve this. And we come up with an entire idea about ourselves and what life should be. And that creates another layer of suffering. And all of a sudden we've added suffering onto the experience. Oddly enough, that may have stopped being a, a moment of suffering had you just let it pass. How often do you go to work, have your entire day at work without really enjoying it, and then go home and spend the next four hours before sleep dwelling on how much you, you didn't like your work? All of that's voluntary, right? And it's just because suffering sucks. And so we think our opinion of suffering is necessary to stopping it from sucking. And it just makes it worse, right? But the alternative is to, is to relax and surrender and get into whatever it is that you're experiencing regardless of how much it sucks. And I don't say get into it like, wee, I get to suffer now. But I mean, get into it in that, Give it your full attention. Stop dwelling on your opinion. Bring your full attention to the experience that you're having. What is within your influence to change? And if you've let go of your opinion, that was the biggest obstacle. So you've already made a change. And in that, you've gotten closer to the present moment that you are. And there will be an insight there. Just give yourself a little time and some practice. There will be more and more and more insights there. And as we were explaining at the beginning of this episode, 
everything you've ever went through is informing symbolism. It's informing your story. It's informing the context that you can see the world through. But you can't focus on controlling your way out of the experiences you don't like if you hope to learn from them. Right? And that's one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn in my life is going through the change, which oddly enough in tarot is the death card, right? Isn't the bad thing we want to believe it is, despite the experience of it, definitely implying that it's a bad thing because we want to, we want to be certain what we're going through. We want to certain where we're going. We want to be certain about ourselves and our value. And that's what's getting in our way all the time all the time and it gets in the way of us learning from everything so just relax don't think about yourself so much if you can avoid it and soon you'll be reading tarot cards in every interaction you have because everybody is symbolism yeah and i i feel like i see a theme across all of this being you know our perspective on uncertainty and our resistance to uncertainty and and the reality that we don't know where something's going to go how our life's going to turn out what's possible beyond the limited idea of ourself and the story that we cling to and because we don't know what something's going to lead to but we feel like we want to know it's like even when we're suffering we want to know that that's what's happening and like almost create a sense of certainty around that. So if we can be certain that we're suffering and bring that into every moment moving forward, at least we can be certain about something because God forbid we're uncertain about what we're experiencing or what we're going through. And so through all of it, it's, it's that shift in perspective of from seeing uncertainty being like, everything's uncertain. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. That's so awful to everything's uncertain. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That would be brutal if everything was certain all the time, because the part of it that people don't think about very much is that if we did have, if everything was inherently certain all the time, we knew everything moving forward about ourselves, what, would, what it would mean about us, what everyone thinks about us, whatever it may be, we, we always had certainty it would be a fucking prison. It would be hell on earth very, very quickly. It might be fun for like five minutes. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this is not what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted. And yet we spend so much of our life resisting the reality of uncertainty and desiring that certainty, not recognizing that that would be just another hell, just another prison. So we cling to this false sense of certainty that, you know, what we're going through means certain things about us when the reality is that we don't know and relaxing into that recognition allows us to see other opportunities and see opportunities to do something differently or, or change, even if it's just our perspective, because as you shift your perspective on uncertainty, that's sometimes just enough of a change to change your whole life. Absolutely. Because Limitations are certain, whereas uncertainty and potential go hand in hand. And it's really important to remember that if you are dabbling in tarot, you're staring at something and that's changing it in that it's changing you. That doesn't mean it's on a set path. It just means that it's changed. 
you could do the same reading an hour from now it'll change again because it's always in flux and the more you try to read out of need the more you're changing the flow because you are the flow right and so if you're going to dabble in things like tarot dabble make it fun right if you're if you're looking for a false sense of certainty through tarot maybe put down the cards for a while let life inform you because it was only ever meant to be a tool to help you facilitate your growth but if you think you need it to grow it's hindering your growth and through that you can recognize that you're the only thing you ever needed and that's where the growth is allowed to happen that's where the faith in yourself is built that's where the change is made when you recognize that you don't need anything outside of yourself but through that recognition see things like tarot cards, imagination, and all of that as fun tools, meditation, fun tools to play with, fun things to spend your time interacting with and, and seeing how you can shift the flow through doing different things as the flow. But it's through recognizing that you're the flow and nothing outside of yourself is going to have the impact on you that you can't have more of an impact on as the flow. Exactly. And if you ever have the urge to judge yourself for believing in tarot or using it in a way that was self-validating without meaning to or understanding that you were doing so, remember the lesson in the major arcana. We all start as the fool. Eventually, we end up being the world. Don't judge your progress. It's all part of the lesson. And it's what makes this ride so much fun when we have the clarity to see how much fun it is. And on that note, we are going to end this episode of Community Topics, which was a lot of fun. I'm really grateful to everybody who suggested this topic and voted this week. If you have a suggestion for next week, do join us on Discord or Patreon. We have this vote every week and we always enjoy the challenge. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.